Okay, here we go. The Panda Maggie Show. He's about to get crazy and wild. Stay for a while. Don't touch a radio dial. The Panda Show. Kicking it back. Sports talk. Listen to that. And stay tuned for some giggles and laughs. Go. Welcome to the Planet Mikey Show. Episode 88 of the award-winning Planet Mikey podcast is underway. And it promises to be a special episode. I'm Steve Pastaconis, aspiring booth announcer, reminding you that if you spit saliva when you speak, always wear your mask to prevent the spread of the coronavirus. Tonight, Mikey Adams, along with Ben Kitchen, and the frenetic fingering of Bill Smith. My name is Bill Smith, and here's where I live. We're joined by the king of Boston radio, the legendary Howie Carr. By the way, the Howie Carr uh, radio network is heard on stations throughout New England and across America on the HowieCarrShow.com website. <laughs> yeah. And I just listened to Howie Carr on 8.30 a.m. and 6.80 a.m. on the way to this podcast taping. And he sounds as good as ever. Howie! Yes, Mikey. How you doing, old man? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I've survived the hurricane. <laughs> yeah, I'm all set. <laughs> my, my wife, who's been listening to you since the 90s, wanted me to ask you uh, how many BSTs you passed on the way home tonight. There are not too many BSTs. Uh, I'm in uh, Needham, my studio, and I live in Wellesley. So I didn't go on 128. And plus, uh, you know, with uh, the state in a state of uh, economic uh, freefall here, there aren't as many BSTs on the highway as there used to be. Yeah. Not to mention uh, passenger cars or, uh, as, they, uh, as they say, on the Storrow Drive recreational vehicles. <laughs> well, I heard you crapping a little bit on Charlie Parker. Now, uh, is that uh, in reference to our governor, of course? Uh, of course, yes. Yeah, uh, Joe Biden called him Charlie Parker, I know. confusing him with <laughs> Bird uh, of uh, jazz uh, immortality fame. Well, you, but uh, you, he's he's a lot he's a lot worse governor than uh, Charlie Parker was a saxophone player. You live uh, locally, but I heard you say on the air tonight that you may be heading down ninety five South as soon as you can escape. Is that true? I am. I spent uh, six months in Florida this year anyway, and uh, I came back because uh, I wanted to, uh, you know, I, well, I just had to come back. To, my, my daughter was getting married, and uh, one of my producers was uh, having a kid, so I had to come back. So yeah. I, don't, uh, I don't plan to spend all that much more time up here. I saw a picture I've, of your daughter. And I was born here. I don't have to die here. You know? <laughs> well, no, no. Put that off as long as you can. Yeah, the pictures, of, look, your daughter was a lovely bride. Good for you. Congratulations on that. Now, you have a whole bunch of daughters, right? Is it five? Five daughters, yes. That's it? <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> um, I, you know, I, I went to prep school. I got kicked out unceremoniously of Avon Old Farms. And I know you went to Deerfield Academy way back when. It must have been in the 70s, probably. Early seventies, yeah, late sixties, late sixties, yeah. early. I I I should have got out, gotten out in seventy, but I got out in sixty nine. Uh, I was I was a year ahead of my time. You skipped a grade. Yeah, smart. But it was you. it was an all boys school at the time. It was very different. I I tell my daughter who went to Deerfield Academy that I went to MCI Deerfield Mass Correctional <laughs> Institute Deerfield. She went to Deerfield Country Club. <laughs> 
Yeah, great. Big difference. Now, somebody that I know that went to Deerfield Academy told me, and this is why I'm going to test you on this, if your memory is good still, uh, that every Wednesday morning, the entire school gets together, assembles, and sings the uh, Deerfield Academy fight song. I, I don't remember that. No. <laughs> you don't. Conveniently. You maybe didn't go to those assemblies. <laughs> yeah, maybe I out. cut those. <laughs> we had a Sunday we had a Sunday night sing. Everybody every uh, Sunday night we had to uh sing yeah. uh these these uh, nice hymns and listen to some uh clergyman. Uh, I'll tell you some of those some of the, singing some of those hymns today would get you canceled. Yeah, right, right, right. right. Thing. You know, they're kind of uh I don't even want to get into it on a podcast. What they uh, what they used to sing. They, they the lyrics were by Rudyard Kipling. I'll leave it at that. Yeah, yeah, and, well, uh, maybe right. put put two and two together. Yeah. Well, the prep school I went to was all boys too, and it was tough. We used to have to smuggle girls into the shower with us. I mean, just to get just to get by. But uh, Avon Old Farms, of course, of the day. The only famous person who went to Avon Old Farms is Pete Seeger. Now you're probably the most famous person who went to Deerfield, right? Um, I guess I'm I'm sort of. I'm trying to think of somebody who was more famous. I mean, there's some people that, that made a lot of money, but uh, I'm, I'm probably right up there. I, I'm not, and not that I'm that famous, but most of the people that went to Deerfield just, uh, you know, were just kind of rich people that, uh, you know, fit right back into their uh, to the family enterprises, whatever they were afterwards. Yeah, well, they've got a huge endowment uh, at that school, as a lot of Deerfield these. Pre- does, Deerfield does now, but they didn't when I was uh, when I was going there. They didn't, but uh, you know who went there was uh, David Koch. He was uh, you know the guy who just one of the Koch brothers yeah. who just died. He was probably you know, the most famous alumnus, and and uh, you, you know my uh, daughter said uh, when she was going there, she said, "I can't believe they made David Koch a permanent member of the board of trustees." And I said, "What do you mean?" You can't believe it. I said, you ought to be uh, grateful. The guy's worth $40 billion. Right. I know. That's the kind of, that's a, you, you want to get a lot of guys like that on the board of trustees. <laughs> build a, that's the old way you get your name on a dorm is just build a dorm for somebody, get your kid into the school. Um, I was going to play a little, because you have, I mean, has there ever, Howie, been so many things to talk about on your program that just piss people off? It's unbelievable what's going on in this country. Yeah, it is. It's it's pretty easy to do a show right now. It's it's uh, it used to be. It, it always was easy to come up with topics, but you had to you had to hustle to get some of the documents. Like somebody would call you up and say, "Did you see the story uh, in the New Bedford Standard Times? George Kaberi and the Speaker of the House said you sucked last night, and it's in the paper." <laughs> and then you'd have to hustle around to get somebody, some intern, to you know cut the story out of the paper and then fax it up to you. You know, it's, you don't have to worry about stuff like that today. But but on the other side, it used to be that, you know, if you, if you came in and you hadn't done much work, all you had to do was pick a story on the front page of either paper and just say, did you see this story today? Right, and everyone right. would have seen it and you could just run with it pretty easily. But now, now every newspaper, every uh, newscast, every radio station – across the world is in competition with each other. So, you know, it's, it's harder to know what's going to work and what's not going to work. And what's accurate. Yeah. Over the course of your uh, long and storied, by the way, Radio Hall of Fame career, when did that happen? 2008 you were inducted? Yeah, 2008. Jeez, yep. that's unbelievable. Me and Art Bell. You know, I'm only in one Hall of Fame, and it's the it's the Halfway Cafe Hall of Fame. <laughs> that's true, but that's that's great. And if if I didn't tell you in 2009, congratulations. I'm sure when we worked together, I must have said uh, congratulations on that big stuff. That's a huge. Have we ever had any uh, Radio Hall of Famers was on this show? Glenn Ordway was he? No, he's not in. No. How about uh, Joey Reynolds? Was is he in? 
I don't know. So Howie Carr might be our first Radio Hall of Famer. Howie, what was it like having Art Bell uh, give you the, the big intro? Yeah, well, he didn't give me. He and I were inducted at the same time. Oh, and, uh, oh you I know, thought... afterwards, after the thing was over, I'd never seen him before. He was wearing dark glasses, and he had some like uh, I don't know, twenty-year-old Asian woman with him. <laughs> and, uh, so after the thing was over, that he was the guy one of my picture taken with. I didn't care about any of the others. I mean, Adam Carolla was there. He was yeah. pretty. He was pretty interesting. Now, this twenty-year-old Asian, the, Asian woman was she? Family, a... Some conservative group was there. <laughs> some conservative guy, Vince. Uh, I forget what his name was. Uh, you know, focus on the family or something. Yeah. So the gay, so this uh, gay liberation group came by and they were like, you know, smashing their fists against the door of the convention hall or the, the, the uh, hotel banquet room. It was, it was kind of weird. Did they but, want something or was there something special they had on their mind? <laughs> they just wanted, they just wanted to, to protest, you know, it yeah. was early cancel culture days, you know? So art bills, uh, uh, escort if you will was she uh, a ufo an unidentified foreign object <laughs> i don't know but i you know like everybody else i i used to listen to him sometimes late at night yeah. very late at yeah, night. oh yeah everybody you know he got the kind of callers i never got i've never gotten a caller yet who uh you know had uh, killed two ufos that he encountered in the desert of west texas and then buried him in a shallow <laughs> grave pretty rare you know kind of interesting stuff that he used to run into from uh, night to night well you've had a long history of uh i'm not going to say attacking but discussing all things that have to do with the kennedy family have any of the kennedy family members ever uh, confronted you for anything you might have said about any of their relatives in your life no, not well. No, I mean, unless you want to include uh, Ted Kennedy for trying to shut down the Boston Herald and the New York Post because uh, <laughs> I because I was employed there. But uh, no, I mean, Joe Kennedy, when he started running for Congress, he's running for the Senate now, as you know, yeah. and uh, he uh, he actually sent me a cake, a carrot cake. And, you know, cause he has red hair and he just wanted, he was kind of sucking up to me. And, uh, <laughs> I, if I do say so myself, With a carrot and, uh, cake. when my mother died, he wrote me a nice sympathy card too. Oh. So oh, that's okay. nice. I don't know if I'd vote for him or not. The guy, I, the main reason I would vote for him over Markey is because, uh, I have two books, Kennedy Babylon volumes one and two, and yep. they sell pretty regularly. But <laughs> if, if the Kennedy dynasty is over, it's, it's, it's going to cost me significantly. <laughs> yeah. I probably won't have to reprint the books again, if they're, <laughs> but if he, but if he wins, he'll be running for president in 2024 and, uh, sales should be brisk. <laughs> now, have you ever heard my ode to Ted Kennedy? No, I haven't. It was, it's an Irish jig. I'll sing it for you. It's real quick. It goes like this. <clears throat> oh, your father is dead and your mother is dead and your brother is dead and your brother is dead and your brother is dead and your wife is a lush and your kid has one leg and your car doesn't float. <laughs> short. I told you it's short. It's very, very short. All right, let me throw another name out here at you. First of all, you talk about Joe Biden, and I think uh, most people agree that he's at least on the way uh, to a degree of senility or senile dementia. But when we talk about what's big on the plate for him, it's is it going to be Kamala Harris? Is it going to be Bass? Is it going to be Rice? What do you think of these three potential vice presidential candidates? Well, they all have their problems, don't they? Oh, yeah. But uh, I, I would say that uh, it would probably be Harris, Ooh. just because the other two, I think, have greater problems than uh, than Harris does. I mean, 
you know, she got her start, uh, you know, uh, working under Willie Brown, <laughs> so to speak. Right. right. <laughs> uh, that's an easy laugh here in the in the talk radio biz. <laughs> well, Bass she, she, has... she and Willie Brown were seeing a lot of each other. <laughs> um, the uh, the candidate Bass has problems with uh, Cuba and with uh, what was the other one? She just did uh, Scientology. Fer- Scientology. Yeah, yeah. Farrakhan. And the nation to... of Islam. Yeah, yeah, right. So that's other than that, she's got a spotless record. <laughs> <laughs> now, Don, Rice, uh, not Donna Rice. That's the uh, that's Gary Hart's old girlfriend. Uh, what's her name? Rice. What's her name? Susan, Susan Rice. Rice. Susan Rice. Yeah. She has a big Benghazi credibility problem from going on all those Sunday shows and lying out of right. the. You know, that's her problem. So they were all. Flawed. Yeah, I mean, it's one thing to lie on one or two of the shows. She hit all five of them. Yeah, right. every one of them. I saw them on it, uh, it was such a. Uh, it was such an obvious uh, uh, bad news day. That Hillary Clinton refused to go on all those shows. She said she sent Susan out there to take the bullet, take and Susan him. did. Yeah. And then Susan wrote the CYA memo about uh, spying on the Trump campaign. That's the day another of, big one, yeah. By the Trump's bu- inauguration. By the book, so yeah, she's got a lot of baggage. I mean, she would just keep uh, Biden in the in the news because Biden was at that meeting. You know, yeah. So I, I don't think Biden wants to be reminded of that. I, I think I don't think she makes it. Now there was one, there's one more that we left off the list. Apparently she's you know not uh, a POC in, in this case Elizabeth Warren. Now I want to know if you did you come up with Focahontas or was it uh, uh, Liawatha that you came or was it both? I I don't know. That that's one of those things that uh, you know I don't I don't think anybody's got a copyright on any of those. And there there are other ones too, like uh, Spreading Bull is another <laughs> is another one. And, uh, and I, some that I can't even remember at this point, but I, I think I was the I was the first one to come up with the uh, the the the, uh, the the cookbook powwow powwow chow. chow. And oh, I was yeah. the first one to, to and I was the first one to figure out that she was she had uh, cribbed the recipes from uh, right. The uh, sixty-minute gourmet, the French gourmet. You know, it was the, that, those the the crab cakes, the cold cra- cold omelet, the, the cold crab omelets. That w- they were a favorite of those well-known Indian chieftains, the Duke and Duchess of Windsor, in right. cold water. Yeah. Huge for them. Yeah. yeah, she should come up with a, a hat design that involves feathers to keep keep your wig warm. <laughs> I get it. Uh, hey, we, Howie, we got more for you, but I got to do this quick commercial here because we're all getting handsomely paid. Uh, sports keep on coming back, friends. In fact, the Red Sox are playing tonight as we record this, and nobody gives a rat's ass. Does your chance to bet on the sports with our exclusive wagering partner something you miss? Go to betonline.ag because that's where they are. Major League Baseball is all cranked up, and the Yankees are going to win it all. <laughs> bet Online has the odds, the futures, and the props for you to bet on, and as sports return, Bet Online has uh, sat down with Eddie George from the NFL and Robert Ori seven-time NBA champ, and Harold Reynolds from Major League Baseball, so you can get their opinions on what it'll be like playing without fans in the what they call the fandemic. Oh. Go to betonline.ag today. Check out all the odds and the up-to-date sports news, and don't forget to sign up and take advantage of all the welcome back and sports bonuses. Right, Ben? Right. Bet online. You're online <laughs> wagering experts. We're talking to Howie Carr. And Howie the, Carr. Hey, you know, we had to wait 88 episodes to land the big fish, Howie Carr, the king of Boston radio, That's and right. he's with us tonight here. Let me throw out a couple names here. Just give me 10 seconds on each of these topics, if you could, or 50, whatever you want. Rachel Rollins. I wouldn't have voted for her, <laughs> but at least she'll come on the show. 
And she'll come on with me. She'll come on with Tucker Carlson. She'll come on with uh, Jeff Kuhn herself. Yeah. yeah. So she's that's not a, afraid. That's, been a, that's a plus in her favor. But, you know, again, I think overall, I'm not uh, confident. At least she at least she didn't uh, let go of the guy who fired the shots at the police no. down on Tremont Street on uh, when they had the riots yep. in uh, right. on late May. Our Sonia, how about Sonayev now? He's uh, been uh, had his uh, death penalty flipped. Or your thoughts on uh, what our favorite uh, Kazakhstanian? Yeah, I'm, still, I'm still angry at the dead guy in uh, in, in Watertown, Hennebury, who yeah. owned the little boat where he was bleeding to death. Yeah. If Hennebury had been able to quit smoking and hadn't had to go out for a smoke once they <laughs> lifted the uh, the the uh, lockdown in Watertown, yeah. he would have bled out. Yes. And he'd be dead, and That's we wouldn't right. have to be going through all this. It would have saved millions of dollars for the taxpayers, and uh, wouldn't have put everybody through all this. And now we got to do it all over again. You see what smoking so I, does to you. I don't like that guy, and I, I don't. He, even though he does have tossel hair, as the Rolling Stone uh, so so uh, homoerotically put it yes. in their cover story about him. It's just more money, but you know we're wasting as Americans uh, on retrying this guy again. You know this this thing is a, it's cut and dry. I don't care where you go in the country; no one's going to say, "Oh, uh, there was no publicity out here. We didn't hear about that bombing." You know that's not going to happen. Yeah, and, and you know the other thing is too. Now where they got they brought over his all of his family from that third world hellhole for a nice weekend. I think they even gave him tickets to the Red Sox oh, man. when they came over, you, you know, for me? the for the penalty phase of the trial. I mean, are they going to all come back now from, uh, from wherever they are in, in uh, you know, sub, uh, sub Caucasian uh, Russia or wherever it was. What percentage of media members, Howie Carr, do you think are, Way left of center. I'm thinking 80 to 85 percent, maybe. Is that? Do you think that's accurate? I think it's more like 95 to 98 percent. Really? I mean, even look at the place like uh, you used to work in uh, EEI. I mean, that was pretty liberal, wasn't it? I guess. Yeah. You know, I, I kept to myself. You know, I I would just do my five hour radio show, and then go home and smoke weed. <laughs> so I didn't really think much about it. Well, you know, I didn't see everybody either, too, for the office group. But, I mean, I watch MSNBC. Uh, first of all, I think CNN is the worst. And, and the reason I say that is because, I, I don't know, I know you probably noticed this. Everybody probably has. They're such cheerleaders for anything bad uh, against Trump and the country, it seems like. They got the scorecard on the bottom left, so how many people are dead today from the coronavirus. And then even the lower thirds that they run, they're, they're always, all they really do Ninety-nine percent of the time on that network is shit on Trump. Right. Well, I mean, if Trump, if Trump really wanted to get the schools open, all he would have to do is say, "We can't open the schools." Yeah, then right. they'd be clamoring to open <laughs> the right. schools. Same thing with the mail-in voting. If you just say, "I don't think any precinct should be open on November third. It should all be mail-in voting." So then they would be, they would uh, be stampeding to be against uh, against mail-in voting. I mean, it's been that way since November uh, the sixth or seventh, whatever it was in yeah. uh, two thousand sixteen. Anything he's against. I mean, like you know. All these people that were for for uh, putting the American embassy in uh, Jerusalem, you know, when he came out for it, they decided it was the, the worst idea in the world. Right. You know, Paris, Paris, the climate accords, all those never Trumpers, they hated the Paris climate accords for, for good reason. But when he said we're getting out of it, they said it was uh, going to end the world. I yeah, mean, it's just yeah. it's, it's just insanity. It's I like mean, so there was a woman from CNN, from uh, MSNBC quit worked for Lawrence O'Donnell to stop the hammering guy. Right. And uh, he's a local and guy, said, too. Right. She said it's become a uh, she said MSNBC is a cancer. 
The only thing they care about is jacking up their ratings. And the only way to jack up their ratings is with uh, being anti-Trump. You know who had a good point on this? And uh, you don't think much of him, as much of him now as you used to. But Bill O'Reilly, I still talk to him sometimes. You know, he comes on the show. Yeah. And, and he said that, you know, whether Trump wins or loses, whenever Trump is gone, all these all these networks and newspapers are going down the drain. Yeah. I mean, you know, Trump was right about the New York Times. They were a failing newspaper until he came along. Same with The Washington Post. Yeah. He gave and, life. You know, they kind of they, they're kind of doing OK now because they have this, uh, you know, national subscriber base. And they've you know, they've hollowed out places like the the Boston Globe, because they're just kind of local anti-Trump as opposed to national anti-Trump. But but what happens when Trump is gone? I mean, where, where's their where, what happens to their uh, to their audience? I think it evaporates. Yeah, I think that's true. Think about how boring it would have been if we'd had four years of Hillary going into 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 Biden. I guess like, I just I can't I would have died of boredom. I would have killed myself uh, from board from boredom. Uh, what about uh, Tucker? You're on Tucker Carlson's show. I think he's pretty thought out in, in most of his conversations or opinions that he gives on the show it's not like he's just rambling on with talking points it's like he's thought it through i think he's pretty good at his job don't you yeah he is he's a uh, he's a print guy you know i i remember uh, he used to work for the weekly standard which is now out of business and uh, I, I met him he came up uh, to do a piece on speaking of the kennedys patches kennedy in rhode island mm-hmm. and uh i was the keeper of the patches kennedy tapes the videotapes from his uh, stumbling and uh, drunken uh, bumbling in uh, you had in the, the originals in Rhode Island. I guess the prophet, the people from the Providence Journal couldn't uh, couldn't use it because it was you know they they were too too uh, too pro Kennedy. They wanted to get him into the House and the Senate. So the uh, leadership in the House would send me the tapes anonymously. Yeah, and so when uh, when they when the Tucker started doing a story. They said uh, Howie has all the tapes, so he came to visit me at the state house. That's how I met him. <laughs> he's a, he's, a re- he's really a smart guy. Yeah, he, he, is. he really is, and he's uh, he's well read. He's a uh, he's a real uh, journalist, okay, as what, opposed to some of the others. One more on the Kennedys. I've been uh, studying the assassinations, the Kennedy assassinations, since about mid sixties, sometime, <laughs> and I've read all the books by all the art, you know, and all, seen all the documentaries. I'm going to ask you though. Who do you think killed Ken, uh, John F. Kennedy? Because I have a theory. Uh, I think I I tend to think it was the mafia, and I know some people will laugh at me for saying that. They say that you know you're just uh, you, you can't accept the fact that he was murdered by this uh, a, a insignificant little communist rat. But I, I think it was the mafia, and you know they were they were looking to get him. And what Santo Traficante and uh, and Chicago's Meyer Lansky. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, not Sam more G- Traficante than Meyer Lansky, but uh, yeah, the the uh, Sam Giancana was really they hated him in Chicago because right. they uh, you know they took Illinois for uh, for the Kennedys and they they had cut a deal with the old man, and uh, you know they thought they could work through the old man, but then he had uh, he had the stroke and he couldn't speak. Yeah. So Bobby and Jack were just running amok, especially Bobby, and uh, they just decided to take him out. And there's all the I, I put it all in Kennedy Babylon and, and uh, one and two. They were they were always talking. Yeah. And, uh, uh, and all the diff- not just in Chicago, but in places like Philadelphia, they were talking about taking him out. Yeah. And, and uh, the, the and L.A. boss, I, too, was I mean, was involved in all. Well, they, they all, and, and the guy in New Orleans, uh, Mark uh, Carlos Marcel. Yeah. Carlos Marcel. I yeah, think they were got, all involved. He double crossed. He's another one who got double crossed. I mean, he was uh, he, he uh, they they. they 
they told him he was, he was one of these guys. He was born in uh, Tunis and, uh, you know, Italians living in Tunis and then they moved to new Orleans. But so he was an illegal alien. Right. And so they told him to come down to a, uh, a hearing and he put down that he was born in Guatemala or somewhere. So they told him to come down to a hearing for, on his immigration in new Orleans. Yeah. This was after, uh, the Kennedys got in and, and Bobby had and him deported. As as they grabbed him yeah. and they took him down to Gua and threw him in a jungle in Guatemala. Right. I know. He never, he, he never forgave them. And supposedly when he, he said, was convicted, they, they had hours and hours of tapes of him talking to some federal informers about how they had killed both Jack and Bobby, but they've been yeah. permanently sealed. Wow. I mean, Carlos, again, I don't know this for a fact, but this is what I'm told. Carlos Marcello gets down to Guatemala and he says, hey, there's no place down here to get a nice cannoli. What's up with these, all these woods and all these animals and bugs? Jesus. Uh, I, I, but I, my, when I asked you who killed Kennedy, and I know that the, that's a possibility as to who ordered it, the anti there was all this uh, anti-Castro anti Cubans, the right wing, big oil, you know, all involved in the mafia. But the guy who actually pulled the trigger, and here's my theory, it was Woody Harrelson's dad, Charles Harrelson, who spent mm -hmm. the end of his life in a prison for shooting with a, with a high-powered rifle, a judge. He shot him in the neck. But they have the pictures of the three hobos, the three tramps right. in Dealey Plaza, and he looks remarkably yeah. like one of them. And I think he's the trigger guy from the grassy knoll, Howie. Right. Well, there's another theory about that they had four guys from uh, Marseille, France. They brought him in. And then they they were getting them out on the plane, and they blew up the plane. Whoever they is, they blew up the plane to you know get rid of all the witnesses. Jesus. But it it just it just seems like there was there was more to it than uh, that meets the eye. I mean I mean why did this guy J D Tippett, the Dallas cop, get shot? And uh, yeah, and you know all the phone they have all these phone call of records from uh, Jack Ruby. He was he was a you know he was a guy from Cuba. He he uh, he knew the Lanskys. He, he knew the uh, Jewish arm of the outfit. Yeah, and Chicago. he was from Chicago. I think a long time before right. that, he, he worked for he, Al Capone. He, he was uh, he was going he was uh, going broke, uh, running the carousel, the nightclub, and uh, suddenly he came into a lot of money in his phone records. He was making lots of calls to uh, both Chicago and to Las Vegas. Right. And the uh, the Secret Service uh, that the uh, that was guarding Kennedy or supposedly guarding Kennedy, they were up all night at uh, at his nightclub with the uh, strippers. Oh. You know, they were they were a little slow to react the next day. They were a little hungover. You understand how that is, don't you? Oh, Mike? do I understand? <laughs> I've I've lived it. It was my it was my life for a while there. All right, we have a segment on this podcast in honor of Howie Carr. And it's called the cars segment. And uh, is this the should we? What should we do first? The five things you should never say to a car salesman. You want to hear that? Howie, sure. you, you've bought a lot of cars. You've crashed a lot of cars, haven't you? I have. <laughs> well, uh, here's the five things quickly that you never say to a uh, car salesman. Okay. You walk out of the lot. You say, "Oh, I love this car." <laughs> you don't do that. That's a stupid. You know these car salesmen are going to jump all over you. They're going to charge you double. Number two. I've got to have a monthly payment of $350. <laughs> now, why is that stupid? How many months? I mean, it's seven-year car loan, three years? $350 can be a whole lot of different money. Number three, oh, my lease is up next week. <laughs> You're just pointing to your own desperation to get this car deal done. Number four, I want $10,000 for my trade-in, and I won't take a penny less. Well, how do you know, dumb douche, that they weren't going to offer you 11000 You know what I mean? That's stupid. And the one that, pe that really gets most people is, car salesmen love hearing this, I've been looking all over for this color. 
Yeah. Okay. So, and we guess what? We have the car. So we're going to charge you a lot more. Five things you never should say to a car salesman right there. But now it's a famous cars quiz for Howie Carr. Are you ready, Howie? Howie? Are you ready? Uh, I have to answer these questions? Yes. Okay. Uh, Famous cars. Number one, towel-waving Celtics ex-coach. ML car. Correct. Number two, she sang Let It Please Be Him. Oh, uh, Vicky Carr? Yes. (laughs) Number three, name at least one member of the band The Cars who is dead. Uh, Rick Okasiak? Yes, <laughs> Rick Okasiak. Close enough. Or whatever. Something like that. That's right. Okasiak. Uh, number four, what kind of car was Jerry Van Dyke's mother in My Mother the Car? Oh, boy. I don't know that one. Uh, a hump mobile? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> a 1928 Porter. That's my mother, dear. She helps me through everything I do, and I'm so glad she's here. My mother the car. All right, you're three for four. What kind of car was Ted Kennedy driving when he killed Mary Jo? A 1970, a 1967 Oldsmobile Delmont. Delmont 88, four for five. What pro sport did Fred Carr play? Football. Yes, he did. New York Giants. University of Michigan head football coach from 95 to 2007. Charlie Carr? No, I'm sorry. <laughs> Lloyd Carr. Lloyd. Oh, Lloyd. I, don't know. I never know okay. why Lloyd is spelled with two L's. It's like llama. Well, what the, the hell is first that L useless is L? <laughs> Number eight. Eric Carr was drummer for what famous band? Oh, boy. Now they're getting tough. <laughs> I don't know. Kiss. The band Kiss. He died since, but he was their original drummer for many, many years. So you've got five out of eight, I believe. Number nine, what's the phone number for Cars for Kids? One eight seven seven cars for kids Correct. <laughs> <laughs> he gets it back. And the final question, in what kind of car did Bob Seger practice his night moves? <laughs> I know he was working on mysteries without any clues. That's right. Ah, that's exactly go. what but he was I, that's, doing. I don't know. I don't know what, I don't know. What is it? Out in the past the cornfields where the woods got heavy in the back seat of his sixty Chevy. Chevy. He passed though. He got he got six out of six out of ten. It's a passing grade for the great Howie Carr. Very good, excellent. Nicely done. Hey, uh, you're going really, really well. I see. What was the name? What was the name of the building that was just uh, that was just changed at my alma mater, University of North Carolina, because the uh, because the person it was named after. Uh, was a uh, arch Democrat segregationist in North Carolina who once bragged about beating a uh, a, a black woman. Unless what it, was the, the unless old it, name of the uh, building? If it was the Carr Building, that's the only way I would know. Julian Carr, yes. Oh. Julian Carr. How dare you? Well, Howie, we want to no thank relation. you. Thank he you for coming. member of the Ku Klux Klan. My <laughs> branch of the family can't be in the Klan. Oh, <laughs> we thank you for coming on, Howie Carr. You're great, as always. The king of Boston radio. I haven't seen you in years, but you're you're same as ever. And uh, this has been a fun episode. Thanks for coming on with us. Hey, thank you. Thanks for having me, Mike and uh, Ben and uh, Smitty. Uh, thanks for being uh, thanks for being with me. We'll I watch for you it. on Fox News and have a good night, man. Okay, I'll see you. Bye bye.